Who's ready for the Word today? Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 14 through 21. It's Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. One of his many epistles, Apostle Paul wrote over one-third of the New Testament. And this is what he writes in these verses. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And here's the reason that he gives. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you would be rooted and grounded in love and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to anoint this message today. We ask you, God, to just reveal a part of yourself to us this morning uh, in a fresh and new way, perhaps that we haven't even seen before. We love you so much. We honor you. We glorify you. And we are here to meet with you and hear from you today. Help us to have ears to hear what it is that you want to say each in every one of us, uniquely and individually, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I love these verses here, these scriptures, because Paul is speaking about the love of God, and he makes it a point, like he does in many cases, uh, to be very exaggerative. You know, Paul, again, writer of almost a thir- over a third of the New Testament, Uh, Many places in his writings you'll see that he was very exaggerative. He says things and uses language to really emphasize, accentuate a point that he wants to make. So when you're reading the scriptures and you come across some of that stuff, you know, let that grab you the way that it's intended to because it was most certainly grabbing his audience in this time when he was writing these letters to them. It's like saying, I bow my knees to the Father in heaven that above all things he would grant you according to the riches and glory. Oh my gosh, what is it? What is he wanting to grant us? And then he speaks about the love of God that is beyond the height, width, uh, breadth, and length of us to even be able to comprehend. We'd be filled with that, so that if we're filled with that, that we would be strengthened by His Spirit in our inner man, right? And so the love of God is something that is so important for us to really get a revelation about. Now, it may sound very simple, Because it is something that you hear a lot, a phrase you hear a lot. God loves you. Jesus loves you. The love of God. The love of God. Just as your pastor, let me try to emphasize to you, you want to always be careful not to become desensitized to statements or phrases that get used and repeated a lot that actually carry with them a very deep treasure chest of revelation and of power that we want to live in. And the love of God is certainly one of them. 
And so today, the title of the message is A Father's Love. A Father's Love. How appropriate on Father's Day, right? And let me say this before I get into the message. Um, I felt like the Lord said this to me in the first service and, and would have me repeat this again before we speak about God's love, that you recognize no matter where you come from, no matter what place you are in, perhaps how distant you may even feel from God at this very moment and very time in your life. Maybe you've done some things you consider to be terrible things, possibly unforgivable things. I need you to hear me and hear me now. Crack your heart open to receive the unconditional love of God that is available to us all. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I, I want you to have a measure of faith in these moments ahead, no matter where you are, to receive the revelation of God's love for you in a way that can change your life and will change your life if you get it this morning. Now, I also want to say, in the second situation, perhaps there's people here who have walked with God for a long time, and you know God well, and you, you seek God often, and so the love of God is something that you are, are well acquainted with. Please don't allow yourself to be so self-righteous as to think that there might not be a greater level, a deeper level of this love that God wants to open up to you because as far as I can tell, it just keeps getting better and better all the years that we walk with Him. And there's always more and more and more to be found and to be had. Amen? Amen. So we're speaking about the Father's love. And many places in the Bible, as we read through the Scriptures, we get this comparison that God uses. He uses figurative language. You know, we know Jesus was a pro at this, best that ever lived. His parables, he would use um, examples and easy to understand stories to relate deeper spiritual truths to people and then they could grab onto them with much greater faith because they understood them well and so throughout the scripture God likens his relationship to us his children to the same kind of relationship as a father and a son or parent and a child. He uses language pretty consistently throughout the Bible to try to paint that picture for us to try to grab onto. The book of Proverbs, okay? For example, majority of Proverbs was written by Solomon, and it was a book that he was writing in, to his son. Instructions, words of wisdom, Hear these words, my son. Receive this instruction. Follow this direction, my son. So the literal occurrence that was happening is a father is writing these words of wisdom to his son. But the deeper meaning behind that is that it's our father God speaking these words of wisdom and instruction to us, his children, imploring us to hear them and walk in the fruitfulness of what they will bring. Are you with me so far? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, hey, uh, you have earthly fathers, right? natural fathers uh, in the, on the earth, and they know how to give you good things. They want to do good things for you. They want to bless you. If a child needs bread, an earthly father doesn't give him a stone. He loves him. So how much more would your heavenly father not give good things 
to his children who ask him for those. So we see this language throughout Scripture that there's this picture being painted. God saying, think about a father's love for their child and then think about my love for you, which is always going to surpass that of the natural, all right? And so uh, my kids, we, they get this, and we, they have a funny thing that they say a lot of times to me when we're talking. They'll say, Dad, um, did you know that we have two dads? And I'll be like, that's funny. Does your mother know that? <laughs> and we be like, we have an earthly father and we have a heavenly father. And I, just, I think that's so awesome because it tells me that they get that, right? And I do want to say also to you today, if you're here, and I'm very aware that there are a lot of people who grow up with a bad earthly father relationship. It's dysfunctional. And there's not a good picture of our Heavenly Father that's being displayed by that. And I, I was not uh, brought up that way. I thank God. I had a great dad. He loved us. He... Good time to help me out here, you know. Okay. <clears throat> he loved us. He cared for us. I mean, you know, and I, I didn't get to pick that. I didn't choose that. We were blessed that way. And I realized that's not everybody's story, okay? And you didn't choose that if that's you. But I just want you to know, I, just, I want you to hear today that no matter what you experience or how you grew up, that God's love, the Father's love is available to us all. And God wants to provide that relationship for us in a way that only He can. We know God is King, we know that He is Lord, but we must also know Him as Father, right? There, this is a way that we are to relate to God, that He wants to relate to us, is as a loving Father who showers us with His love every single day. It's so important that we get this, because when you get a deep revelation of God's love for you, folks, it will empower you to great lengths to do things that God is calling you to do. When you realize, I don't deserve this love, um, I can't earn this love, this isn't something that I work for each day to keep, but you see that God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you that you could be reconciled back into relationship with Him and walk in the fullness of His glory that He has for you in your life. When you see that and you get a revelation of that God really loves me that much, then there are so many things that you will come up against in your life and meet that if you didn't know that would be hard for you to figure out how God could get you through that. But when you see, but God loves me so much that He gives me gifts. He wants to heal me. He wants to bring me through. He wants to deliver me. He wants to raise me up because He loves me that much. Amen. That deep revelation of His love folks, will cause you to walk in a way that is quite different than you would if you did not know the depth of this love for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I want to basically open this up or break this down today um, in four points. Four things about God's love and how it looks towards us. 
And let me say this to all of the dads who are here today as well. That this is a great example and lesson to how we as fathers should love our children. How our love should look towards them and for them. So four things about God's love. Certainly not all-inclusive, okay? There's many things about the love of God that we could talk about for the ages. But there's four things in particular that I feel God has really laid on my heart to talk about today that we would know this love in a deeper kind of way. So if you're with me so far, say, I'm with you. And if you didn't, then you should have said it anyway. But anyway, all right. (laughs) The first one is that this love is unconditional. It's unconditional. That's a very important thing to grasp because if we don't really get the full revelation of this, at some point we can be tempted to think that we are simply not measuring up. There are a lot of people who in their earthly father relationship have felt like they weren't good enough that they didn't measure up that they didn't hit the mark and that they were always trying laboring trying to earn their father's love and be deserving of that the love of God that is offered and available to us all is absolutely 100% unconditional Listen to this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means that His love for you was already there before you ever even loved Him, before you ever even knew Him. The Bible says the will of God is that none should perish, but all would come to repentance an everlasting life. So God's love is there for every single one of His creation and His desire is for us to receive that love and walk in the fullness of what that love brings. Salvation and eternal life. And it has to be received. But it is available unconditionally for everyone. We see a perfect example of this in this parable of the prodigal son you remember that story where the son runs off and blows his inheritance and gets himself in so deep he's like man my dad's business is thriving and I left it all and I've sinned I've done all these horrible things and man I just I hope I can just go back and be a lowly servant there and the father receives him with open arms and welcomes him in and, uh, and, and puts him into a place of royalty, puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and a robe around his back. Because as you know, if you're a dad and you have children, many times our kids will do things and they'll do things that we have to uh, get on them about. But there's never a point where you think to yourself that your child has done something that would cause you not to love them. And everybody with me on that? I mean, you know that your child's, your love for your child is unconditional because they're your child. And we have to understand, we have to grasp 
that God's saying, look, my love for you is like this. It's unconditional. I love you all the time, completely, and we need to receive that love. So much so that he says, listen to this, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, this is the Living Bible translation. He says, now you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members now of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You see, when we're born into the world, we're born into this world in sin, in the condition of sin. And so he's saying in this verse, you're, you're born and as, a, as a stranger to heaven. You start off as a stranger to God's family because you enter the world in sin. But when you receive the blood of Christ as an atonement for your sin, then you are brought near. You're no longer strangers, but you become family. You get that family, sons and daughters to God. And we have to see ourselves as sons and daughters, as people of family. That's not just a statement that sounds good. It's a positional truth, positional, that we are sons and daughters of God and a part of his family, and we are included in that family. And God has brought us into that place. He's he's sort of helped us cross that chasm, if you will, that gulf of separation that exists because of the condition of sin, and His love is what's brought us near and and closed that gulf to where we become a part of His family. I, I love when I see dads, men, who step into a situation, where there's many reasons for this, but step into a situation where there are, are young children um, who are fatherless and they don't have a dad. And, you know, mom finds, there's a relationship that finds and mom finds a, a man and they marry and this, this new man, he sees this child and he loves this child with all his heart. And he adopts this child and he says, I've heard this so many times, he says, I, I love this child like he or she was my own. I don't feel like they're not my son. I don't feel like they're not my daughter. In fact, I don't feel any difference whatsoever for this child than I would if it were my own blood. The Bible says, Jesus says in in Galatians chapter 4, it says that we are sons of God and God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts crying out, Abba, Father. So we are no longer slaves but sons And if a son, then we are heirs of God through Christ. So this is a spirit of adoption, the Bible says, that God gives us by sending His Spirit to live on the inside of us. And He brings us into His family when we were once separated. Does that make sense? So the love of God, folks, it is completely unconditional. And a revelation of this Will, will cause us to live in a way where we're not trying to measure up to something. 
We're not trying to earn something or think that it's something that's kind of slipping through our fingers that we get and then we lose based on works or based on deeds. But it's a love that surpasses understanding, that envelopes us unconditionally in our lives, that we actually walk in every single day knowing that we have and that it can't be lost. Does that make sense? And it causes us to live in such a different way than if we thought there were some kind of conditions that were being placed upon the way that God loves us and how much He loves us. So number one is unconditional. Number two, a way that describes how God loves us, and this is a, this is a big one, is that it is disciplinary. Thank you for your tremendous response. Okay. Is that it is disciplinary. Right? Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there from whom a father does not chasten? But if you were without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness." Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, God loves those whom he chastens. It says this in the Bible. And we need to recognize that when God is instructing us, correcting us, and leading us, it's because he loves us so much that he's trying to direct us down the path that he wants us to live. It's not something that is a form of punishment. It's an expression of his love. But here's the key, is that we have to be people who are open and willing to receive the chastening of the Lord that's instructional, corrective, and directional for our lives. Let me go a step further and say, I mean, I, I wasn't always at this point in my life, but I've come to the place where I now look at the chastening of the Lord, the, the, the disciplinary part of the father-son relationship, and I seek it out. I actually desire it in my life. I, I want the Lord to quickly be able to speak to me and show me when there's anything in my life or anything that I'm doing that's amiss from what he would really want me to be doing or how he would want me to live. I mean, I'm not just waiting for God to hit me over the head with a hammer and be like, hey, got to get your attention, you messed up. I'm actually looking for that correction, that chastening in my life because I know God wants to give it to me to help me not to punish me. 
Are you with me? And we have to be at that place where we are open and willing to hear that, not just when things come along and things get so bad, then we're all of a sudden kind of like said, hit over the head with a hammer, and now we're willing to hear what God has to say. But a people who are readily walking in relationship with God, where it's like a father and a child, hey, if I'm off, if I'm doing something wrong, correct me so that I can continue to walk out this path that you have for me. And let me say this to, to dads, okay, fathers, our children need discipline. They need discipline. They, they require that from their parents. They need that from their parents in a way that no one else can provide for them. Do you understand that? Like nobody else is anointed and equipped by God other than parents of children to be able to provide that kind of discipline that they need in their lives because children do not know their own way and they must be instructed they must be shown how to walk things out so that they avoid painful consequences of things that they're not aware of but we understand lie in their path out in front if they continue down that direction and our, our Heavenly Father is the same way with us. He's already been where you haven't been. He's already seen your future. He knows what lies ahead. So when He's correcting us and bringing discipline into our lives, He's doing it because He already knows it's going to improve our walk of faith and put us in a continual fruitful position if we follow those commands as we move forward in our lives. But... Hey, let's face it, I guess I'm just going to say it the best way I know how, but we are kind of raising up a generation today, and I don't just mean young people, I mean a generation just as a, a culture, so to speak, where people are becoming very, very closed off to any kind of correction, any whatsoever. I mean, there's a pervading mentality. It's almost like, don't you tell me what's right for me. Oh, don't you say anything to me about what maybe is, is going wrong. Don't, don't you tell me what to do. Don't that person tell me what to do. Right? And, and there's this mentality like nobody can, nobody can do that. And if we continue to raise a generation like that, the outcome is very dangerous because we need correction in our lives, healthy correction. And what's beautiful is when the Lord brings correction, He's not just correcting us in a way where it's like, hey, this isn't good, don't do this, but it's also, here's the right way to do it. So as fathers and as parents, let me just say, like correction, when it comes, we bring that in a way where it's, this is not right, but here's the way that we ought to be, right? So there's a, there's a solution that's offered at the same time that we're instructing and disciplining about what not to do. And I love that about God because He always leads us in the path of righteousness. He always leads us down that direction of how we ought to go. But one last point that I'll make, and I'll just say this, is with us as fathers and dads and as parents, healthy discipline is important. It's needed. Um, but we must recognize that if we ever discipline out of a place of wrath or of anger, then we have crossed over into this place that's biblically incorrect about the way we're doing the discipline, about the way we're offering that. 
And a lot of times, if we don't discipline the way we should, then it builds and it builds, and then eventually it explodes and blows up, and then this healthy discipline that ought to be able to be given is now packaged in something that's wrong with anger and, and wrath, and then it's not received. It actually, instead of producing a healthy outcome in the child, it can produce an unhealthy outcome in the child. Does that make sense? And so God, this father relationship that God wants to have with us, he needs us to be open to hear from him as a father, as someone who would correct us and lead us along the way. So that's number two. Number three um, is that this love is a sacrificial kind of love. It's sacrificial. It's willing to sacrifice and lay itself, and, and, and the person lay him or herself down for someone else. I mean, what greater example do we have of that than Jesus, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me repeat that. For God so loved the world. Do you see the motivation behind the sentences that we're about ready to read? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever so shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So it was a sacrificial type of love. That motivated Christ doing everything that he did, the pain of the cross and all that he endured, to sacrifice himself. Listen, the cross wasn't fun. The pain wasn't fun. None of that was desirable. But it was all a sacrifice that Christ was willing to make because he loved us so much. So that kind of love was very sacrificial, and then it gave the highest ultimate price it could give, which Christ gave his own life for us. And so our, our love that we receive from God is something that he paid an ultimate price for us to have. And when we recognize the price that was paid for something, many times when we see how extravagant a price was that was paid, then we appraise the proper value to what's been purchased by that. And it's important that we see this love that God offers to us unconditionally, a serious price was paid for us to be able to have it. And an attitude of appreciation and gratefulness and thankfulness is a way that we respond every single day. And, and as fathers and parents... Our love for our kids, again, it's very sacrificial. It needs to be sacrificial uh, in order for us to display that love the way that God is giving it to us. And um, I know I think about my own kids. I have six of them, so I have six times the sacrifices that have to be made, right? It's a joke. You guys are... <laughs> woo! <sighs> Cut the air a little bit in here. Okay. But, you know, it can be little things sometimes that we forget about and God needs to remind us of. And I know, like, one of my goals, one of the things I do every single day is I drink over a gallon of water. I just I do that to keep my system clean and drink lots of water, right? So, uh, 128 ounces, full gallon of water every single day. Well, we have these mugs that we got from 
the hospital, SSM Healthcare, they give it to you whenever you go in to ha have a baby, and they give it to the, to the mom, and then they send you home with it. So we have a bunch of them, all right? We have like six <laughs> of these big mugs. And they're perfect for your water cup to take in a gallon of water every day, because you fill it up four times, David, you got a gallon. I mean, it's easy math, you know? And we... We have water brought in to our house. We have a cistern, so we do a purifying thing where we fill up these glass containers of water, and we have charcoal filters, and we put them in our refrigerator, and then we fill up our glasses of water with these. So it is a process, okay? Um, and I fill up my water. I go in, and, of course, they're always empty. You know, they're never... So I have Dad has to pull them out. I do it every time. It's all Dad. <laughs> point of difference here um, <laughs> and fill all these glass these these big containers up of water and, and put it back in the fridge and this the whole deal right takes time and then so I finally I get my my mug I get my ice in there I fill it all the way up and put the lid on set it down I'm like all right I got my got my mug you know I'm ready to go drink this one number three whatever how come walking back in the kitchen and there's four kids just sucking it down right there and I'm like no I just I, oh, never mind, you know. I got to go back and fill it back up again, and then the jars are empty again and go through this whole process. And I was just sitting there thinking about this one day, and Jesus was like, sacrifice. <laughs> Sacrificial love, right? And I'm missing it in even some of the simplest things. Can I just be honest for it? Like, I'm missing it in some of the simplest things. But I'm so thankful that God doesn't miss, us with, miss it with us, ever. That his sacrifice is always effective and is always there to be able to offer us this unconditional love that he paid this enormous price for us to be able to have. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful thing? So it's sacrificial, um, and we have to recognize the high price that's been paid so that we can appraise the proper value on what we have and appreciate what's been given to us so that we realize the fullness of what we have in that. And then the last thing, number four, of these points that God's love is, is that it offers security. It offers security. Because when you know, Patty, how much... God loves you, and that nothing the enemy can do can take that away from you, can remove that from you, can pull you out from under that. When you realize that, then it can cause you to walk in such a level of security that you are simply unthreatened by losing that which you need to walk in fullness of every single day. There's a complete security that you have in your life knowing that God's love is there for you all the time and there's nothing the enemy can do to take it from you. Amen. That you are literally sealed by this love with a promise and guarantee of eternal life beyond this one whenever we go to be with Jesus in heaven for, for eternity after that. And it produces a great security in us and how we can walk every single day. But I will say this, insecure people can be very dangerous because they respond 
and react to things out of their insecurity. And we need to respond and react to the things that are happening in our life out of a place of total security. That there's nothing that anything can do to come against us that can compromise or change or threaten to take this precious love that we have and that we can walk in every single day. And that causes us to feel protected how we're supposed to live, how we're meant to live. God is our protector. It says He's our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our strong tower. We run to Him in our time of trouble. We always have this protection. When your father is the toughest guy in the universe, you walk with your head held high. Am I making sense? I mean, when you know that, it's not an arrogance, it's a humility because you only have it because of Him, but you walk in a place of such security that the enemy can't shake you and knock you off your ground and knock you off your footing. That's why Paul says, I pray you're rooted and grounded in this love. It's like your feet are driven on the ground, there's stakes going in through your feet 40 feet deep into the earth, and you can't be moved. You're rooted and grounded in this precious love, and you walk in such security as a result from that. Because you know your daddy's got your back. Amen. Amen. I know for our kids, every one of them, as they learn to swim, we're over at my mother and father-in-law's house. They have a pool. And so they've all kind of learned to swim over there. And they have a slide that's in the deep end. And as they work their way up, there's this big moment, right? Them, all their cousins, everybody, they all kind of came to this big moment where they finally go down the slide by themselves. Now, before that, you're kind of helping them. You're at the bottom catching them and all that. So they're going to go down the slide by themselves. And this is big moment. You know, they go up there. They're on the top of the slide. And, and with every one of our kids, this, the first time that they did this, they always said the exact same thing. Dad or mom, but it was usually dad because I'm a stronger swimmer. I mean, that, you know, it's obvious. I'm not. <laughs> Father's Day. I can get away with a lot more today. Uh, we shall see. Um, Dad or mom, uh, c- come over here in the deep end and be real close right where I'm going to go. And if we wouldn't go over there, then they were very afraid. They weren't ready to go down the slide for the first time. But as soon as we would get over there in the deep end, and we're treading water, you know, we're right there, not going to catch them, but we're just there, then all of a sudden you see this whole expression on their face change. (sighs) Now, it's courage, it's bravery, they're ready, and down the slide, into the water, they go under, they pop back up, and the first thing they do when their head comes up out of the water, they look, and they see that there's mom or there's dad. Why is that so important? Because the fact that we were so close, close enough to provide the protection that they needed produced a security in them and a confidence in them that caused them to dare to go to do great things that they had not yet done before. And without that security, that wouldn't have moved them to that place. And when we know how much God loves us, 
when we see that we have something that hell cannot rob from us or take from us and that it's sealed for us for that day of redemption, when we walk in that security, it will cause us to have a faith and a confidence to know that we can step out and do great things where risk may abound, but there is a precious protecting father who says he'll never leave you or forsake you, and he'll be right by your side. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother, and you will have such security and such strength to know that God will have you as soon as your head pops back back up out of that water after you go down that slide. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. A father's love. I pray that we live every day understanding and walking in this precious love that God paid this ultimate price for us to be able to have.